Welcome to a football show Monday edition brought to you by our wonderful, amazing, spectacular and very local, very real friends, the Kingston Group and the Pharmacy Burger over there in East Nashville. That's the Pharmacy Burger and the Kingston Group, buildkg.com. My name is Braden Gall. He is Zach Lyons. Get into the comments, folks, because the offseason is fully here and we like to talk to you guys about all this great stuff that's going on. We might have a defensive backs coach for the Tennessee Titans, so we'll get to that. Uh, Lots of chaos. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. Uh, lots of chaos, of course, across the NFL and the playoffs in the weekend that was. But also, we're going to tie in, and I don't think any other show on the planet is going to do this, tie in the introductory press conference for the Titans' new general manager, Rand Carthon, and what we heard, what we learned, what we felt coming out of that press conference, and what we saw take place over the NFL divisional round weekend and what it all could mean for the Tennessee Titans moving forward. I don't think anyone else is doing that, Zach. Well, I I think there uh, seems to be, not not everybody when I say this, but there seems to be a a lack of critical thinking skills and active listening, Um, the ability to active listening, you know, to what someone says and how to construct that into actual uh, analysis. It seems to be lacking a little bit coming out of the Ren Carthon press conference. Yeah, that's probably that's probably true. Can everybody read my shirt, by the way? Uh, some scheduling notes for if you're watching on the YouTube or on the Twitter, you can you can see what, what my shirt has to say, courtesy of the Sobros Network, of course. So I know you and Stoney heading down a little programming note, you and Stoney heading down to the Senior Bowl next week. So we're going to have live coverage all across every single day of practice on a lot of different shows. So just stay tuned. We'll give you some more updates on that as the week progresses. Uh, some more details will unfold. But basically, your one-stop shop for all things Senior Bowl coverage. Going to be right here with Zach and 440 and Broadway Sports Media and the Sobros Network. So a lot of fun stuff coming up next week for you guys. So just stay tuned. Um, there is some chaos in the SEC, and I thought we just kind of go over these things a little bit later on in the show. There's too much too much drama happening in the SEC to just avoid it altogether. Uh, this way, you Titans fans, when you're hanging out with your buddies, you can, you can, you can have that one nugget oh, of information crap. about the portal. <laughs> About, My dog about just threw up, and it looks nasty. Like 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 one of those where he's just got his tummy hurt, and he just ate something bad, or like li- like real bad throw up. How's how? I can't doing? really tell. You're you're gonna have to carry. Do you go through our sponsors real quick while I look at this. <laughs> Zach is going to here, here's what we're gonna do first. For those of you not watching on YouTube and on Twitter, uh, Zach is currently investigating closely his dog's vomit. So I just want to let you know that's where why he's not currently here on the screen. Uh, he'll be back momentarily, but Kingston Group and The Pharmacy are two great and amazing local sponsors. They're going to give you all this great content from a football show from 440 Sports and Broadway Sports Media. And Zach's Substack, of course, uh, brought to you by The Kingston Group and The Pharmacy Burger over in East Nashville. Do not make any decisions about your house until you talk to The Kingston Group. That's buildkg.com, Nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm. Uh, that that's those are the folks to talk to about that and if you need a great burger a great bratwurst some great tots some great mustard some locally sourced beers that you can't get anywhere else at a pharmacy you're not there to watch games it's not like happy hour specials to like watch big watch parties it's about community with your friends and family and loved ones having a good good time with a good dinner and some good food at a locally owned establishment how is the dog buddy uh, it was looking a little weird because we've been uh, feeding him blueberries because blueberries, you know, fight cancer and everything. So it was a different color throw up than what I'm used to seeing. And then really? the rest of it was the um, was the I guess he didn't chew his uh, 
the parts of his food that are uh, consist of the macaroni because it looks it was just a bunch of noodles. So you know, get you your food, Huxley. So you are feeding your dog exclusively people food. Uh, well, I mean, I feed him. I mean, I guess so. If you if you talk if you whatever macaroni the company it's wherever the company makes it, I'm assuming uses human grade food. Okay, so you're not talking about like going to the grocery store, getting macaroni and cheese boxes, and no, and, no, just okay. whatever whole wheat noodles they have in this gotcha. uh, the food that I buy, and then now the blueberries <laughs> we just throw four, you know, blueberries in there. So I did not, I had no idea that blueberries uh, were battling cancer in dogs yeah, or for no dogs idea. antioxidants. Fascinating, fascinating. Um, all right, so. Lots of stuff to get to today. Again, special thanks to the pharmacy and to the Kingston Group for making make, making this dog vomit show happen. We we do we do appreciate them uh, supporting us. So you should go out and support them as well. Turn on turn on all of the notifications and be sure to check out Zach's sub Substack. That Stacking is. the inbox substack.com. I stacked the inbox this morning with a whole article about Tim Kelly, and I'm about done with one on the Kansas City Chiefs coordinators that were linked to the Tennessee Titans offensive coordinator job. There you have it. And not, not a whole lot of news, frankly, about the offensive coordinator job, some nope. of which is because a function of where we are in the schedule of the calendar. So if there's mm-hmm. guys that they want off of these teams that they just can't officially make any of these things happen, we might know that next week, depending on who advances or not um, in terms of actual interviews. But uh, it, what, what is the latest with the offensive? Co- I mean, there's not really a whole lot to, to tell here. Uh, and, and I did not get to your Tim Kelly piece yet because I was too busy reading all of the other <laughs> things that you stacked into the inbox. I, I stacked the inbox. I mean, that's the whole point of the, uh, you know, the whole point of it. It's so like your inbox is Derrick Henry and my emails are the defenders. I'm stacking the inbox yep, for those that you may have not gotten that reference. Uh, <laughs> so essentially the only real news that we got is that according to Vrabel, he, uh, interviewed numerous he's he has interviewed or talked to numerous people about the offensive coordinator position now we don't know what definition of uh, uh, numerous that mike vrabel has in his vocabulary we don't know how he's using that uh when we don't know if just because he said that they've talked to him if that means interviewed or not you know no no real clarification on that comment a little beef i have with the media uh, on that is that the uh, lack of follow-ups to that question uh, to maybe dig a little bit deeper into that. And really, nobody asked Rand Carthen some thoughts on, you know, his input that he'll have and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so just he, he gave a lot of vague answers to yeah. a lot of those. Well, questions. there were there were there were some really great questions. But the 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 answers that I was looking for, you'd have to actually ask the questions to to get the any kind of vague answer at, at all. You I mean, there were some questions that were lacking. Um the uh, but the latest news that came out today was Tom Pelissero said uh, Luke Steckel, tight ends coach for the Tennessee Titans, is going to interview this week for the offensive coordinator position with the Los Angeles Chargers. And then um, they have apparently talked to or talked about with Tim Kelly, the offensive coordinator position. I th- they spoke to him is what the words were, which I think are is interesting because that's not technically they interviewed him. I think I think the words are very important. Well, like are you walking down the hallway and Vrabel's just like, "Hey, you like four wide?" and he's like, "Nah." I'm like, "Oh, we talked to him about it." Yeah, like, is we that, don't know. Is, is that all it is? We don't know. Um oh, man. you know, to me it's just I'm looking at it all and I don't I think I'm with you. The the rules are a little iffy. NFL.com says one thing, CBS Sports says another, but I think maybe NFL.com is misinterpreting the rules. 
I think that pretty much now that Saturday of the divisional round playoffs is underway, I don't think anybody that's in the championship games, anybody on any staff could talk to anybody the whole week until the conclusion yep. of the championship games. Now, NFL.com has it written where they could talk about this uh, all the way up to the Saturday before, and they have January 28th, but I think they're misinterpreting which Saturday that was supposed to be. I I've always been under the impression that th there is – whether you lose or win the game on, on, on this weekend, either of the four teams, any of the four teams, that once that happens, you can speak to them for a week. Yeah, so that, after that's, that's the championship game, so this ties into my piece with the Chiefs, after the championship games have concluded, you have until February 5th, a week before the Super Bowl, to interview any candidates on these rosters that are heading to the Super Bowl. And, and then that's it, because guess what? They have a game to coach yeah. uh, coming up in the Super Bowl. You're going to see any action on the Chiefs side because Mahomes being severely hampered, they're going to have to do a totally different game plan all week against a Bengals team that is given, has given healthy Patrick Mahomes fit. So yeah. their focus, Matt Nagy and Eric Bieniemy is going to be on the, on the Kansas City Chiefs offensive game plan anyway, even if there was an opening you know, in this week. So let, let's start with a broad sort of overview of the, the Rand Carthon vibes. Now, I was not covering the team locally in 2015. I was not at that press conference. I was at Rand's press conference on Friday. And they, they just I went back and watched the entire thing with J-Rob, Mike Malarkey, and um, Steve Underwood at the time. Fantastic goatee, Steve. Don't ever change. Um, but th the three of them were up there in a very, a very, very different setting. Uh, obviously this was on the third floor of the brand new building. It looked very big, very fancy. There was lots of cameras. It was a much larger ordeal, um, in a very, very high sort of developed room that is designed to feel big time. Like the Titans have, they've, they've redeveloped the facility for a reason. This, the other one in 2015 was like in a tiny little room. I don't know where it was actually physically held, but you could tell it was just kind of like a dumpy little room. Um, and Steve Underwood kind of spoke a very different way. All three of them at a table. Amy Adams Strunk came to the podium. Now, I she should have an answered some questions, in my opinion, but she did not take any eventually. Well, um, what questions were you going to ask her that you haven't already had the answers to? Well, I, I, because you're the second person that's that said that that I've heard. Maybe that it may have been two or three people, but I've heard that, and I wonder what else do you need to know. Well, there's still not a, and, and I know PK's big on this as well. There's still not technically, because in the in the John Robinson press conference, I think Paul asked this question in that press conference too. He specifically said who has final say on the 53, and J-Rob paused. He looked past Mike Malarkey to Steve Underwood, and Steve Underwood kind of like shook his head and was like, yeah, and he's like, yeah, I've got, I've got final say on the 53. And they kind of were very, because they are set in a two-pillar system, and Rand was very clear in a lot of different sort of ways by saying things like, like his vision is his vision for the team. And I'm here to get the best players for his vision. I, I'm going to, he wants this, this, and this, and these systems, and I'm going to try to acquire this, this, and this. And when, and when Paul kind of pressed him on well, but who actually does have final say on this stuff, they, they both kind of danced around it a little bit. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, I, I guess it comes to the point, like how often is Amy Adams Strunk going to have to come in? Do you, in your opinion, and lay down the hammer and have to do like a, uh, oh, sh was it King David that split the baby in half in the Bible? <laughs> like how often is, is that going to happen? Guy. Yeah. How, how often is that going to have to happen? Like, is it, I guess I'm at the point is, 
when when is it a big deal? And don't we know that Amy Adams Strunk, that ultimately Amy Adams Strunk has the final say if there were contention? She yeah. has said they both report to me. And if there's disagreements, I have the I'll make a decision. Well, I, I, that, I think doesn't that answer your questions. Like, no, well, in a perfect world, like sh- like if you're a Titans fan, this shouldn't be relevant because you, in a perfect world, they, they work in lockstep together as a team. Like that's yeah. their whole that was their collaboration was was, you know, he even said, I'm going to beat you over the head. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to I'm going to kill you with the word collaboration. And he did. He And so did Amy. And so did Mike Vrabel. And, and so they kind of. The, the different, like one of the things that was similar though to that John Robinson Mike Malarkey press conference was exactly that conversation though. In fact, they used the phrase "we have an aligned vision, natural fit." You know, hit, I'm, my job is to get the players that fit into his system. Like it was very similar language from John Robinson in his introductory press conference, which, by the way, there was a ton of excitement about because he was a Tennessee boy and he was coming home. And he gave his little Rue Ross speech at the end of that. I grew up on a farm with my dad working and blah 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 blah. And so there was a lot of energy and excitement around that press conference as well with very similar messages than there was on Friday with Rand. I'm not suggesting that the franchise is in the same place. <laughs> they, they are in very different places with very different expectations coming up over the next few years. So there's it felt big time on Friday. It felt much bigger. It felt like an established NFL franchise that has been winning for years. It, 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 it feels like Rand Carthon is a little bit more conducive to personal relationships even going back and watching j-rob in his first press conference he was very sort of like you know he's kind of got that stiff upper lip thing you know and and so but they also used a lot of the same language as well so i just those are some observations well, I, mean, I think that's just so. league wide i mean uh, probably just sports wide in general when you're having these press conferences some using the, a lot of language overlap and everything right. when you look at it that way you know i i look at it this way he's he is going to, for the media and for us covering it, it's going to be the press conferences when Rand Carthon is made available are going to be so much more interesting and so much more better than anything that John Robinson has ever put forth on a microphone or tape because there's personality, he has stories, he has connections. Um, I the Elijah love, Mitchell story was great. Oh, it's it brought a tear to my eye for multiple <laughs> levels, uh, multiple reasons. And to me... I, I just I want to go back a little bit to what we were talking about is this whole power structure thing that everybody's making a big deal on. And everybody wants to know the questions to and blah, 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 blah. I look at a guy like Mike Vrabel because this question got brought up or this. Um, uh, I think A to Z put out a, a, a tweet talking about how Rain Carthon made the hire for. Chris Harris or whatever it was, something along those lines. And there was a lot of people correcting them. It was like, no, that'd be Mike Vrabel. And then a lot of people are then trying to, you know, how Twitter is put in there, yeah, all these yeah. opinions and stuff. In probably Mike Vrabel's original contract extension and probably his original contract, he has final say over his coaching staff. And I'm sure in John Robinson's contract, it said, I have final say over personnel. I, I think we can draw those logical conclusions. Well, Mike Vrabel's contract is still valid and Rand Carthon has a new contract. And from everything that we've heard Rand Carthon say is that I am here for Mike Vrabel. Does that mean in, and I look at it this way, they both come from similar playing backgrounds. It's, they sound a lot alike to me in terms of their vision, their background, the way they view the game, the way they think the game should be won. There's probably going to be like two or three players that Mike Vrabel's probably, in their entirety of their career 
are probably going to step in and say, we have to have this guy, and and they'll disagree. I think overall you're going to see guys that agree largely on everything. And I think that Mike Vrabel will probably trust Rand Carthon a lot more. Maybe not Maybe not year one until he sees what he's doing. I, I don't see the need other than that everybody wants to create conflict in the media that this is that important right now. No, I don't think it's that important. And again, in a perfect world, if these two people work together, great. And, and even if they're not like friends, they don't have to be friends. I think that's super overrated in general, like in the workplace environment at an office, you're not going to get along with everybody. But can you can you cohabitate and work together and be productive? That's a totally different thing. And I, I think as long as if you're, again, a Titans fan, that that whatever the organization is on the back end is working, that's all that matters. Like, And I think Rand comes across as a guy who is very compatible with a lot of different types of people. He also versus, knows how to navigate this, right? He's I think seen so. this nav, nav the, seen this from his own perspective. So he kind of knows how to navigate this because ultimately Kyle Shanahan has the final say over everything if reports are to right. be, be right. believed. Now, Vrabel doesn't technically because again, contract language and all that kind of stuff, but I think it comes to a point where I think it really depend depended on who the general manager was going to be for the, for this to matter. In my opinion. Uh, so, for, first of all, they both also ran and John Robinson thanked Thomas Dimitrioff during their opening press conferences. They both also talked about the New England way in their opening press conferences. There's just a lot more similarities than I think people realize. But I think the differences could be the reason you make the move, which is this collaborative sort of ability to sort of see things through somebody else's perspective and maybe manage a little bit more. Like, I don't want to say like a player's coach. Versus sort of the disciplinarian, but that's the that is the vibe that I got coming off of Rand Carthon versus John Robinson, and being around John Robinson on the practice field for the last five years. Th there's a stiff upper lip, rule with an iron fist type of vibe to Jr. Whereas Rand clearly comes across as I I'm here for Mike. I'm gonna I'm here for the players. I'm here for my family. I'm here for you know Miss Amy, all this other stuff. And so I think it's really interesting. I felt at the press conference that Mike Vrabel was in complete control. <laughs> that, that is what I felt. It, he, he physically towers over people. He, he just has a personality that is the hey, most, he, he the most looks commanding. so much happier. And I, and I get a couple people are not reading into that and they're saying, well, you know, he's done with the losing streak or whatever. Some of Mike Vrabel's meanest, worst press conferences are after wins. Oh yeah, <laughs> like Nick his Saban. demeanor is always the worst after wins, Nick's, and this Nick's, demeanor is a, is the happiest I've ever seen Mike Vrabel in my life. <laughs> Nick, Nick Saban is identical when he knows his team is playing well; he gets more angry, right? Like yeah. that's that's what happens. Uh, here's the other. Here's a quick op, quick observation though, and this is complete just human psychology, right. like random randomness. Because again, there felt like a lightness and an airiness to that press conference that I don't normally get from Mike Vrabel. Um, I think he, he like to your point, felt very loose, very happy, but he also felt like there was a little bit of power there, in my opinion. I want to know what you think about this, because this is just pure, just the first thing that came in, into my head when I saw every single employee in that lobby giving like a, a, a ridiculously over the top welcome to Rand Carthon, who walked into the door and they've got the whole thing. Everybody's in the facility and they're doing the whole applause and they're doing everything. I know it was for social media. I know that. And they posted it immediately. It felt like a big giant fuck you to John Robinson. <laughs> well, I think this entire I mean he Rand Carthen got announced officially hired on his fucking birthday. 
on Robinson's well, I don't, I don't birthday. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, I, I guess. <laughs> I mean, it's like, yeah, to me, it's. I think it's to. I think it's not a really a big fuck you to John Robinson as much as it is a. Uh, I know it's not. But. No, as much as it is a. Guys, this guy's a hundred times better than John Robinson. It, it felt like a tr- a little bit of a like a subtweet. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. Like it, yeah. it felt yeah. like a subtweet troll of. Look how much we love this new guy. And again, I know it's for social media. It's for promotional purposes. And you're trying to build up some video. And I get all of that. Um, but that I'm just saying, again, I'm a big studier of sort of the psychology of a press conference and the energy and the body language. I think it's performative. I don't think you get a lot of great detail out of this stuff. The, again, the Elijah Mitchell story from Rand was great because there actually was some detail in there. Um, but again, he... Hey, we're not all that different. I'm not going to change the scouting department till after the draft, which is exactly what Jr. said in his press conference. Which, we're is, not, which is par for the course. Very par for the course. Like the whole thing felt very much like me and me and Vrabes. We already speak the same language, and we're just going to spend a lot of time together over the next yes. few months, getting to know each other to make sure all of our stuff aligns. He also kind of said about scouting, which is the one thing I wanted to know. And, and Joe Rex wrote, asked it kind of before I did. And then it, that, that was all I needed. But he basically said, look, I trust we're going to have analytics. We're going to use analytics, but I trust my eyes, too. And that's almost identically to what Jr. said. Minus um, the analytics part. But I think <laughs> I, I think he's because, again, some of the people that worked underneath him and ran the analytics department at San Francisco have gone on to do very successful things in Minnesota and elsewhere. So I think there's clearly more of that. But it's not all that different. He's like, I got to still trust my eyes with what I see. And then marry uh, that to the dad. Well, that, that that's the thing I was going to say is that obviously he's going to marry it because that was the whole Elijah Mitchell thing. Like maybe right. he didn't really have time to look at Elijah Mitchell, but someone brought to him the data and said, hey, here's Elijah Mitchell. This guy is the best outside zone runner in this class. I think he's going to be a huge hit and a great fit for San Francisco. I need you to watch the tape, though. I need you to look at it. And so Rand Carthon did. To me, in my mind, if someone came to John Robinson and said that, he would say, yeah, hand me that name. I'll get to it later and would never get fucking get to it because he's just like, eh, I don't care about analytics. Because, I mean, maybe yeah. that's just an over-exaggeration. But that's what it seems like when, from John Robinson's demeanor and reactions to questions about the analytics and the lack of development. I, I want to, you talk about human psychology. There's two things I want to hit on that tie into that, okay? Into your human psychology. I picked up, that when Amy Adams Strunk was talking, doing her introduction of Rand Carthon in that, not in any of the other stuff, just on this press conference, she was reading and pretty much was monotone the whole way. And then she gets to a part where she talks about how they will work together to find talent and write players on this team. She specifically emphasized the word right, her tone, she looked up at the camera. Obviously, this is another dig at the... Obviously, when you fire your GM, you don't think your roster is good enough. But obviously, she's putting that on uh, John Robinson for not giving Mike Vrabel the right players. And I think that's yeah. what it ultimately is coming down to. That's one It's one of two human uh, interaction pieces. Your thoughts? Um, I think that's true. I think she also uh, made it very clear, like... We went through this process and it was very clear that he was the obvious choice for us. I had one person on Twitter be like, oh, I can't believe they just hired the token. And I'm like, dude, like this is first of all, five out of three out of the eight candidates that were rumored to be on this list that they were interested in were white. So like 
basically 60% of the NFL is black. And this guy's resume precedes him at an extraordinary level. Every single person that she said, like literally every single review we, we got from everybody was a glowing review about this player. Again, I'm paraphrasing or about this GM I'm paraphrasing here. So that, that I think you kind of just, you know, I thought it was very clear. She made it, that she made it clear that this was the right person for the job, that we never really had any doubts that we, we kind of had him from the beginning. Um, and that Vrabel, approved of all of it like i got the sense that Vra- like i think stoney said it here <laughs> Rabel looked like he had just gotten out of a 20-year marriage and got divorced and he was acting like he's like free for the first time and i want to get to a lot of your questions by the way there's a lot of really good ones in here so i'm going to get to those in just a second but i want zach you to give me your your second observation is this why is nobody but me talking about parag marathi <laughs> nobody but me is is it did nobody when i heard that name because he he mentioned it's hard to say the name. <laughs> no, no, it shouldn't be. Well, for local media people, it definitely would be for the Tennessee residents. But I, <laughs> when he specifically thanked him, like everybody that he's thanking in this message, you're like, okay, I know that person. I know that person. I know that person. And then he just name drops Parag Marathi out of nowhere and says, I've learned so much from Parag Marathi about the business side of the NFL that I've never been exposed to. And to me, I'm mm. like, whoa, that's huge. Who is this guy? Who is this Parag Marathi? And I, I couldn't believe it that nobody has talked about this, but for those that don't know, and for those who have not subscribed to Stack in the Inbox, this is why you should, mm-hmm. because I am a fucking detective, and I read too much into everything. <laughs> but this is, I think, appropriately... Marathi is the current president of 49ers Enterprises and executive vice president of football operations. He's been with the 49ers for 22 years. It's a long time. So what could Carthon lead learn from Marathi? Okay, he is the chief contract negotiator and salary cap architect. So every free agent contract, every extension, he spearheaded. This comes in handy for Carthon because... That's what the Titans are about to have to go through. They're going to have to go through and make tough decisions. They're going to have to renegotiate with certain players to try to get their cap hit down. They're going to have to hit free agency hard and get good players on good deals and manage a salary cap that is currently $17 million over the cap. This is huge, and nobody wants to talk about it, and that's not it. Guess who saw the oversaw the analytics department? Parag Marathi. <laughs> well, and the Minnesota GM. And the Minnesota well, GM. Well, yeah, but I mean, he's Even. over the Minnesota GM. I mean, like, this guy's over right. the... You know who hired the Minnesota GM? Parag Marathi! <laughs> and nobody's talking about it. I am the only person, and I, I wrote all kinds of words on it. This is important. <laughs> no, listen, what I think... up with media people not picking no, up? No, 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 no. It here's, just drives me nuts. No, well, here's the thing, though. Like, I, I think, in first of all, you have to also understand how, like, mainstream media works. Like, you can't do a segment on Parag Marathi on, like, 104.5 The Zone. You can't do it. It's not going to work. Well, well, shit, they it, do shit that's less interesting than that. I, I Listen, I, I, you know what? You, you and I can go back and forth on the science of radio, and I disagree with it. So I bet do, I so. could get some good high ratings on Parag Marathi. I, uh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Uh, I think here's the key. This is, goes back to our last episode on Thursday when he got hired, is that he checks every single box as to what you would want someone to have from an experience standpoint coming into a general manager job for the first time. But every single one of those is, I learned from this person. I learned how to do this from this person. I practiced at this over here. 
he's just never been in the lead role and that's all like there doesn't mean he's not going to be great at it or he's going to be terrible at it. it doesn't mean anything it just means that every single piece lines up pretty positively for him to be the most qualified candidate and it's why he got the job and i think that is i think that's where we're at i left again i left that press conference with a sense of empowerment and and refreshment from mike vrabel and that Rand carthon is just a far more interpersonal human psychologically intelligent you know evolved creature than than my, than john robinson was but i don't necessarily think that they are drastically different philosophically because they both come from the same kind of tree of 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 team they're still going to be doing it for mike vrabel's team philosophically which is going to be physical and fast and you know versatile um, I, I don't, I don't know if John Robinson really did that for Mike. Ray. Maybe you're right. I just mean that, that like, and again, they're two very different people. And I think the emotional intelligence and Sony used that phrase, I think is off the charts for Rand. And I think that's why he fits this situation better because you've already got a ready-made organization and he has to kind of come in and, and figure out how he fits in versus coming in and doing it my way, which is a lot of GMs want to do. And so I think that's a, a really valuable asset in this situation let's get get to a couple of quick 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 comments here donnie d uh king solomon king solomon zach is who i king believe cut, cut the baby in half um do you think an internal or external hire for offensive coordinator says ae uh i am going with a external hire i just unless it's maybe luke steckle coming out of left field because the titans can't afford to lose him which they could technically because tim kelly could be the tight ends coach because he was already assistant tight end coach and in duties and responsibilities uh according to all the context clues we've been given but i i think at this point it's external uh, D Good says, if you were ran, what would you give up for Trey Lance, Zach? And I saw an NFL insider basically say he's not worth more than a yeah, that's second or third round pick right uh, now. Apparently, Mike Silver, the San Francisco Chronicle, has talked to uh, numerous execs across the league. And the general feeling is that they'll never get close to what they gave up for him. And that you're looking at possibly a third round pick as the most you could get for them. And if I'm ran, that's not a terrible idea. That's not a terrible idea. If you love him, if you love him, if you, if he loves him, but you also need to trade Ryan Tannehill in the sense that you yeah. cannot keep yeah. both. And here's why, because if you trade away your 2023 third round pick, you're not going to have a, a third round pick. You're not going to have a fourth round pick in this year's draft back to back. You're missing out on two rounds in yeah. which Rand Carthon has pretty much said he's pretty damn good in and yeah. his track record would dictate. So I, you would have to get some picks from the Ryan Daniel trade to compensate for that. I don't, I've talked to a couple people that cover the San Francisco 49ers and uh, Kyle Madsen who writes for, I believe Niners wire, I think is what it's called. Uh, I can't imagine the 49ers just give Lance away for a third. His upside is still there, and he's cheap enough that it's worth finding out over the next couple of years whether he could develop or if he just sucks at football. I think that essentially this is going to carry over into this year. Uh, there's going to be a Purdy-Lance, in quotation marks, quarterback battle that is Purdy's job to lose, not Trey yeah. Lance already has it in the back. I, I mean, I, I would I would guess that that, I mean, just – from from my seat, Purdy, it's Purdy's job to lose. But also having two guys on rookie contracts, not a bad way to go about trying to win, especially when you might already win a Super Bowl this year anyway. Right. Um, and you can kind of let Jimmy Jimmy G do his thing and, and move along. Now, is Purdy a long-term answer? Uh, maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. 
Um, Trey Lance still has far more talent and upside than Brock Purdy, but you're not going to. I've been in love with Brock Purdy for four years. I love Iowa State football, so you're not going to get you're not going to hear me say a negative word about Brock Purdy. The reports you hear from players about Brock Purdy, none of them are surprised, dating back to training camp this year, that he is doing what he's doing. And and apparently, he came in and gained the trust of this team fairly quick. I don't think they ever thought that he would be in this position. Obviously, because that's why you have Trey Lance, and that's why you re-signed Jimmy G, because you couldn't get anything for Jimmy G, so you might as well just kept him and restructured the contract. But for all intents and purposes, they could have saved themselves a buttload of money this year if they just had let Jimmy G go, I guess. Uh, All of which ties into the hell of a job the 49ers front office has done constructing a roster that might be the favorite to win the Super Bowl right now, especially considering the Mahomes injury. Which brings me to two quick points over the weekend about the playoffs uh, brought to you, of course, by the Kingston Group and the Pharmacy. The first point brought to you by the Pharmacy. Just... I don't know why, just because. The Pharmacy Burger, great place to go eat, super affordable, not going to sacrifice on quality. you got great local beers that they kind of source from all over the state. They'll bring in Memphis beers that you've never had before. Can't get them anywhere else. They'll pair them with a great new burger. Uh, they got the new Bayou Burger. It's great. It's fantastic. Go over there. Uh, put your screens down. Commune. You know, Have a communal experience. Eat some great food. First point. Um, the amount of people on Twitter that were like, I've never seen a quarterback have a high ankle sprain, and then come back into the game. What extraordinary toughness. That's true. It was extraordinary toughness from Patrick Mahomes. We also saw the exact same thing from Ryan Tannehill this well, year. Well, now that's a big assumption that you guys think that Rich Eisen watched the Tennessee Titans at all this year. Because <laughs> he just says, I haven't seen that. It wasn't I just him. It wasn't just him. It was, it was a lot of people. Do you think a lot of people sit around? Listen, let me tell you something. Rich Eisen hasn't seen it because he hasn't watched your fucking team. Well, he's like, not been that's on the bus either. where I'm at. Like, okay, I don't care. Move on. <laughs> just, next topic. What's your I, next topic? And this is the real one here. Built by built, built by the Kingston Group. BuildKG.com. Uh, Nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm. Are you willing to acknowledge that Josh Dobbs was a forward pass? Because the last two weekends, those arms were hit way before. No, I think those, they got the, the Josh Allen call wrong. What about the one last weekend? I can't remember who it was. I don't the know. One last show show me the clip, Easton. Like, I, I mean, people are asking me both, about all these things. They were I, both I, ruled incomplete passes. I don't know and, what last week's was. You don't even can even name me the fucking quarterback. So well, what I didn't good go is this argument? Yeah. Well, because it's true. The last two big ones that were re- reversed and get into the comments and help me out here. But, but the last two big ones were reversed and the balls, the, the, the balls, the balls, They the quarterbacks lost control of the football dozens of frames before Josh Dobbs did. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, I, I, well, I'll was, say this. It was, I can only speak to what I've seen, and I've seen Josh Allen and Josh Dobbs, and both Josh's uh, should have been ruled a fumble. <laughs> I think Allen's was was way, way, way closer to a fumble. I think Dobbs, it's the other. Was. Well, I'll say this. His arm and Josh Dobbs's arm were a little seconds apart in their progress. I thought Josh Allen's was further back, but he definitely, yes. because of his ability to throw the ball, had more control in, in the, the actual throwing motion. The ball was jostled out of his, out of Dobbs. Dobbs had no control, no matter where the arm was at. It's it, com- the, that's completely wrong. Jason, Jason okay. says Dobbs arm moved forward by inches before the defender touched him. It's not even that. I think, I think it's him. to me is that everybody, I, I don't think the NFL knows the referees know where actual forward motion is at. Yeah. And I think it's actually, you got to have like a one o'clock motion. That's when, if you're well, at no, 12 they, the, o'clock, 
that's not to me. No, no. The rule is the football has to be literally, and he said it on the broadcast. He's like the football one. So there's 30 frames in a second of video footage. You have 30 frames. If one frame of video has the football going forward, not the arm, the football going forward, and there is control, then it's a forward pass. Okay, well, so it. that explains why Dobbs, because he had no control. So that explains uh, that. You and I disagree on that, but again, Okay, I just... well, I mean, I guess maybe Josh Dobbs is so fucking smart that he, I guess when it was wobbling, he must have been using his fucking mind, and, like, that was... <laughs> he was actually making it shake. Maybe he gave it a Pfizer vaccine. I don't know. But <laughs> God, give, me, give me a fucking stop break it. that it. it was not already out of his is, hands. Hang on. The point is, the point is, is that if they are so like if if you and I can are if reasonable minds can look at these plays, I think and, they were both a fumble and disagree or agree or disagree with each other on this stuff. And one of them is a long review in which it is overturned, and the other one is takes half a second and is not even really reviewed at all. That is, I think, where Titans fans have a complaint I, is I that the process CBS, was obviously not the same. I am sick of CBS cutting to commercial without showing us replays. Well, that was true. ridiculous that they cut to that's a commercial true. at that spot and did not show one replay of that of uh, the Josh Allen uh, Josh Allen fumble that got I, overturned. I really just wanted to get you worked up. That's all. Uh, I mean, they were both uh, so fumbles. Go, so I get go, you know, good job I, being wrong. Josh, I Dobbs, guess. Josh Dobbs did not fumble. Kingston Group Pharmacy. Yeah. Never wrong if you go to the pharmacy. Never wrong when you use the Kings group. That, Zach, we can agree on. Yes. Uh, make sure you check out those great folks. And, of course, stackintheinbox.substack.com. Uh, Broadway Sports Media, 440 Sports, all the great shows across the platforms. Make sure you check all of that stuff out. Uh, all right, what do we learn as it pertains to the Tennessee Titans through the lens of the NFL playoffs this weekend? What what exactly? Because I love I love watching the 49ers run the football and hearing Rand Carthon say, uh, yeah, yeah, we like to run the football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I thought that was a big uh, critical thinking test that a few people failed because obviously the question was, can you build around a running back, which is not a, a very good question in, in my opinion. Uh, can you build a Super Bowl winning team yeah. around the running back? Because no, you build a Super Bowl running team around an efficient run game. And that is what an efficient, effective run game is what Rand Carthon turned his answer into to the bad question, the poorly worded question. And people are like, well, this means Derrick Henry's staying. Oh, he loves Derrick Henry. No, this just means that he recognizes that an effective and efficient run game breeds success as the as the months go on. You need that. And there is no better example than Bengals versus the Bills, where the Bills just have refused to properly address and commit to the run game. And it fails every single time that they're in the playoffs because they cannot do anything. Uh, they cannot commit. And the Bengals, while, yes, Joe Burrow went down the field pretty easily, you have to look at the plays that were called in between all these big flashy plays, which were run plays, and they were getting creative with it. The 49ers kind of went away from the outside zone run for whatever reason. We're going a little bit more gap and going a little bit more up the middle. But all these teams that won were like 120 yards total rushing or more. That is what he's speaking to when he's talking about the effectiveness of the run game. Not that, well, damn it, Derrick Henry's here, and we're going to build around Derrick Henry. No. The foundation for this team has been and will always be you win in the trenches and you need to have a great run game, an effective run game, an efficient run game, and you need to have an, an efficient passing attack. 
So here is the key for the modern football scheme. Friday night, Saturday nights, Sunday nights, NFL playoffs, and especially with Rand Carthon talking about as the season progresses into difficult weather, difficult situations. And I talked to a lot of coordinators in college football about why Mike Leach's offense never really got to the next level with Mike Leach. It's because he was too stubborn to make sure that the running game was valued when it had to be. This is the key to the most efficient offenses in the world right now. It's the air raid concepts in the passing attack mixed with when you have to run the football, can you? And that is with bad weather, that is in the red zone, and that is in short yardage, and that's with a lead. Those are the things you have to be able to do when it's about running the football when and how you have to. Not that like you're just going to give Derrick Henry 380 carries on first down every time. Like it's it's about picking and choosing and when you have to do it. And again, inclement weather with Buffalo would have been a time where you would have liked to have seen Buffalo do more of that. And Cincinnati did a little bit of it, but they also didn't need it. <laughs> but, but the Niners, these teams, like it's about knowing and the best college teams, it's about knowing this is when you have to run inside the red zone, short yardage with a lead, bad weather. And I and, looked at it the the first because everybody's like, oh, run first, run first, run first. Every one of these teams, besides the Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, this includes Cincinnati, have called more run plays on first down than pass plays. Every single one of the teams in the playoffs has done that. Now, there is a difference between it because unlike the Titans, they were like 161 pass plays and then like two or three hundred, like 275 to 300 run plays. Like it's way different. Right, right. Run first approach in today's NFL means you have a balanced attack and you're able to minimize the amount of times you have to run because you run efficiently and effectively. And but you're able to pass the ball at numerous times when you have to. And unfortunately, the Titans, with their offensive line, with their offensive weapons not not being healthy, and with an idiot as as offensive coordinator, had to skew heavily away from any kind of balanced attack. But we we know with Art Smith that yeah, he ran a lot on first down, but it was effective, efficient, yep. and the passing attack was the same. That's what they have to get back to, and that's what yep. Rand Carthon knows. It's not about building a, a team around a 29, about to be 30 fucking year old running back that's past his prime. Um, fast physical, and we talked about this on Thursday. I know you've been you've been on the speed and and size and 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 physicality spectrum for a long time. This team has to get faster, they have to get bigger. Um, the big Almost one for me every game. The big Jeez. one for me on Thursday on our show, and I said the thing that I noticed the most about the 49ers, and we talked a lot about can they replicate the San Francisco 49ers game plan. So go back and check out that episode. But the biggest thing that they do better than almost everybody else is how versatile all those weapons are. I would argue there's a lot of versatility in the Chiefs weapons. There's a lot of versatility in the Bengals weapons and a lot of versatility in those Eagles weapons as well. Versatility and being able to do a lot of things with a lot of different pieces. Rand Carthon talked a lot about that at the press conference on Friday. The, everybody in the playoffs moves at lightning speed compared to the Tennessee Titans did. It seemed like we talked about it in the middle of the season, how I felt like everybody was kind of running in quicksand compared to other teams when I'm watching like red zone and all this stuff. And when you're watching the plays and you're watching these other teams play, I talked about this. It's like everybody seems really slow and like there's no passion. There's no speed. And maybe it's not the lack of passion, but it's definitely a lack of speed. And I think that's important. When you look at the play players, the catch balls. And I specifically was talking about the Ravens game 
and it was a uh, Devin Duvernay caught a pass and like he's making three people bring him down. Whereas like Robert Woods catches a pass and he's like crumpled over newspaper and uh, you know, and all this stuff. So like it's super important, but also all these players can get separation when needed. And that's something that like Brandon Ayuk, who is the fourth best uh, skill player on the San Francisco 49ers would be like a wide receiver one almost anywhere else. And it's because he has short area quickness. I don't think specifically that he has the long speed that, you know, the Titans, Titans fans, when they hear speed, they think we need a guy that can run a four two all the way down the field. And that's, that's nice to have me, me call Hardman, Tyreek Hill. You yeah. need a guy that's short area quickness that can gain separation yeah. and catch a ball and then turn it upfield. And that's what Brandon Ayuk does. That's what Debo Samuel does. They get open because they're quick, not necessarily super blazing fast. Yeah, they are fast, a, but I mean, it's it's really depends on the short area quickness for this team, and that's what they need. Because right now, you got Nick Westbrook, Akine, Chris Conley, uh, Robert Woods, these guys without yeah, short yeah. area explosiveness, and it's got to be different. No, I you there was a great. It was like third and thirteen, and they were within field goal range. And oh, it was, er, it was such it, a good play. It was early in the game, and I want to say maybe late first, early second quarter, and they could have just been very conservative, kicked a field goal on on the next down. And instead, they they ran a very long developing, like triple move with Ayuk on the outside, which made made the DB think he was going deep on like a skinny post, and then he stops, turns, and cuts it back. And Purdy had time, and he hits him right in the numbers. And it's because he sold it, and then was quick enough to get back. Um, and so listen, again, his boy Elijah Mitchell that he collaborated with on the sixth round um, came in in relief of Christian yeah. McCaffrey, and they didn't miss a beat. Um, all right. What do we learn about patience in the Buffalo Bills from this weekend? Yeah, I, you know, we're getting to the little SEC rapid fire here, and I, I'm curious because I'm I'm curious to what people think in here because I put out a joke tweet or I retweeted a joke tweet. Let's start a dialogue, and it was uh, um, it was someone else's tweet of Ryan Tannehill number seventeen, Josh Allen number seventeen, and you know Pam from the office saying they're the same picture. I thought it's just funny. And and I said, let's start a dialogue. And so it's because someone else had tweeted it. And I and I then I see people, I see the uh picture from the front of the newspaper talking about the failures of Josh Allen uh, again in the postseason. So I wonder, Mr. January. I wonder if Josh Allen and Sean McDermott are they gonna be like Tony Dungy and Peyton Manning? Where okay, they'll get one Super Bowl. You're getting one Super Bowl out of this tandem, and it may be like five more years down the line before you get that one Super Bowl. Or are they going to be like? Is he going to be like? Uh, what I say in the fuck? What? Oh, Andy Reid and Donovan McNabb, <laughs> where they they make it to a Super Bowl, but they never win one together. Yeah, I, I wonder because it seems to me Josh Allen, and, and not just Josh Allen, but. I think the bugaboo of this Buffalo Bills defense not being able to stop anybody in the postseason is just it's just kind of wild. There's there's something going on here. Stephon Diggs is already pissed off. He left he left the game almost immediately yeah. after it was over. We're talking like before any of the media could get in there. He's at the he's on the sidelines getting pissed off. And there was a play that he actually like was legit on the field, like looking at Josh Allen, like what the fuck is wrong with you? Why would you throw that ball like that? And I, I wonder, because this is going to probably be for the cross section of Josh Allen's career and his arc in that 
this is probably one of the better teams that he'll be surrounded with from an offensive skill position because everybody's just going to get more expensive and you can't yeah, keep yeah. everybody. Yeah. So I wonder where is this going to land for Josh Allen in his career? Is he missing out on his mm. opportunities and nobody's wanting to talk about because he's Josh Allen and he's a super nice guy? Well, I think it's I think it's a, I mean he's also he does things physically that nobody else can do. So if he stays healthy, I think they're always going to have an opportunity to be near yeah, the top. And how when will he have to adjust out of that side that, of the game? That that would be my question more about like you can draft receivers, you can find you can replenish an offense if you're good. If you can do it once, you can do it again. Uh, generally speaking, not everybody. Um, but, <laughs> but but I, as long as Allen is at the helm and the offense doesn't change too much and he can continue to do the things that make him dangerous, then I think they're going to be one of the best teams in the league. I think losing Von Miller on defense midseason really hurt their 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 ability to rush the passer and that that changed some things. I, I kind of want also... to say something. This idea that Leslie Frazier deserves another head coaching spot because of whatever. Mm. I don't think he's that good of a, when it matters. So why would you want him as a head yeah. coach? I, I think the other thing is we also just have, like when you talk about San Francisco and the number of weapons they have, right? Like mm. the skill, like the Bengals, we've got at least that they make millions of dollars to play football too. And they have an elite number one quarterback. Who's as good as Josh Allen, if not better. They've got oh, he's definitely better in my they've opinion. got an elite number one receiver who is as good, if not better, than Stefan Diggs. They've got an elite number two receiver who's better than anything Buffalo's got at number two. They've got a tight end who came out of nowhere and is just as productive, in fact, more consistent maybe than Dawson Knox with Hayden Hurst. They've got a running back who is way better than anything Buffalo has. So let's there also is a moment I will say here. This, I think James Cincinnati is fucking good. Well, but they had a horrible offensive line. There's no way that they shouldn't have had more pressures and more sacks on Joe Burrow than what they did and what they were able to generate. I think it was absolutely ridiculous that they couldn't. And so I think how does this I agree with you. How does this tie to the Titans then? How does this tie to, to the future of Ryan? Oh, Daniel? it, it does this was just a side subject. Oh okay. It, but okay. it was just a fun aside to compare him to Ryan Tannehill because they're they're Seventh. they're having similar <laughs> postseason struggles and they both have went to the AFC championship game once and neither of them have been past that. And I'm not saying that Josh Allen can't but man, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, uh, future Tennessee Titan, uh, Drake May or Caleb Williams or <laughs> Bryce Young sure is going to make that uh, a little bit harder. I, I will say this. And I at first when you sent me the text message, I was like, this guy's fucking crazy. I did a little bit more digging. I did a little bit more research and I thought, OK, it's not as crazy. I still don't agree with you. But the guy who's closest to Ryan Tannehill in the play in the playoffs this year is Dak Prescott. Now yes, I think Dak. I think, sure. I think Dak Prescott is a far better quarterback and football player than Ryan Tannehill. But I but, think it's debatable. But well, Dak has a better. But like, I'm not going to worry about debate. Yeah, Dak's better at like every single category statistically for throughout his entire career. He's had way better weapons. I agree with all of that. He's also won like at a much higher rate over the course of his career. He's like he wins like 64 percent of his games. His playoff statistics are insanely good. Like 1600 yards passing in six games. Ryan Tannehill like 700 yards passing in five games, but they do, they do have the last two times we've seen them in the playoffs. We've saw them. We've seen both Ryan Tannehill and Dak Prescott make mistakes. I could not believe the Dallas Cowboys Twitter account. What oh yeah. Two, two tweets. You know, they put out two tweets, what which I thought the, was ridiculous. Doing? The uh, first tweet was Dak Prescott gave away the ball twice in the narrow loss to the 49ers in a matchup. The Cowboys had a chance to win if they didn't again, generate self-inflicted wounds Two. Hours later, they put out a different tweet that says the 49ers had more weapons than the Cowboys going into the game. And with the loss of Tony Powell, Pollard, 
definitely had way more ammunition in the second half. That see, that sounds like like excuse. Both of those sound. One of them sounds just like well, social media manager should be fired. Did you see what should be Saffold fired. said about uh about his excuse making. Did you see that? Uh-uh. Saffold said, "Guys were exhausted during the week, and our coaches did the best they could to try to modify the week, but there Come was on. just uncharacteristic things that were kind of happening." have to kind of put that into effect and not as an excuse. Just this team has been fighting for so long and fighting through all of this adversity. You almost run out of gas at some point. The Buffalo Bills. A lot of it. Okay. When I think of people that face adversity in the NFL, Buffalo Bills at the top of the list. Well, I mean, the last couple of weeks, they've dealt with some some weird stuff, but not on the feet, not like right. you know, talent wise on the field adversity, that kind of thing. Um, well, so, but it's also, it, it draws... Like again, I think Dak is a better player than Ryan Tannehill, but I'd have I'd have Dak at like what whatever eighth or ninth in the NFL, and Tannehill at fourteenth or whatever. I mean, they're, they're not, all the same. I mean, like that that Josh Allen, I, I think Josh Allen is like a tier right. above those two guys. But when yeah, you're yeah. talking about like Jimmy G and Matt Stafford and Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins and Dak Prescott, yeah, 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 and Ryan yeah, yeah, Tannehill, yeah. they're all the same. I'm, Literally, yeah. those are the same pitchers. <laughs> I, I might have Dak at the top of that 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 tier of of players. Yeah, but he's still not out of the tier, right? So, like, what, what good is being at the top of the tier? It, yeah. To me, I love Dak, and I would take. I would. I am with you. I would take Dak over Ryan Tannehill in two seconds. In two seconds, I would not. Uh, you know, I wouldn't do say the same about Kirk Cousins. And I wouldn't no, say the no. same about Derek Carr. No. But like, no, no thought in my mind. I'm taking Dak. But there is something to be said. When you look at Burrow and Allen and Mahomes, it's to me, it's like, okay, it's Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, and whoever the third best quarterback was that was floating in and out of the rotation. It, it might AFC. be, it, well, and it's not in the AFC, but the, the third guy might have been like the other two guys might have been Breeze and Rogers. Right. Fr- and they're frankly. in the other section. But so, like, it's like you're going to see Burrow and Allen or Burrow and Mahomes in the championship games more often than you're going to see right. for the next few years, more often than you're going to see Allen versus one of the two. In yeah, my I, opinion. I, t- I think the three of them will command a lot of slots in the AFC championship game. But that being said, Dak Prescott, Brock Purdy, Jimmy Garoppolo, even had he been the starter or if he comes back, Jalen Hurts, there is something to be said about finding guys that aren't number one overall pick. I mean, obviously Josh Allen was a Doesn't top have 10 to pick. Be. Patrick Mahomes was the top 12 pick. I believe he was 11th, uh, I believe. Uh, Mahomes, uh, was Mahomes not 17 and Watson 12th? I thought Mahomes was 17. Either either way, it's t- I think it's upper half of the first round. Yeah. Point is, high-level high guys. And obviously, Joe Burrow, number one overall. But I don't think, and this is maybe what Rand Carthon's number one job is with Mike Vrabel, is to continue building the organization into such a way, and into such a place that they can have, a, find their Jalen Hurts or their Brock Purdy or their you know, whoever else it might be that, that can, once the organ, because the organization is built so well, like the Niners that all of a sudden you find one guy who's just good enough. And that's the guy. And it's not Malik Willis and it's not Josh Dobbs and Ryan Tannehill is kind of aging out of the league at some point here. That that's sort of the, like, that's another lesson. I suppose I, I don't, you know, I don't think I don't know about Jalen Hurts yet. I, I, I need to see more from Jalen Hurts. Yeah. I think that's the thing with me is that Jalen Hurts had the team. Jalen Hurts is a good quarterback. You still have to go out there and you have to make the reads. You have to make the throws. However, the Eagles did everything they could to make sure that Jalen Hurts didn't have to be the guy. Yeah. Right? Cause like you're talking about a spectacular offensive line. 
You're talking about a spectacular p- series of patch catch, ca- pass catching weapons and an effective run game built around the strengths of Jalen Hurts and a really good defense and a really good defense. All things that you need for a guy that's in his second full season starting third year in the league that looked absolutely abysmal and out of place just a year ago. What what franchise does that sound familiar to, Zach? Oh, you mean the one they're playing on on Sunday? Yeah, because those two franchises sound almost identical. Right. When you, it, when you describe them. It will be interesting to see if the Eagles, and I know we're getting a little far ahead, Eagles have to generate turnovers. Because Brock Purdy is like immaculate. He throws the most uncatchable, interceptable <laughs> balls I've ever seen. <laughs> so they have to, they can do the same kind of pressure that the Cowboys did, and they can generate some turnovers. They're going to win. And I think my thing is, is I think the 49ers are going to abuse this Eagles offensive line. They are playing really mm-hmm. well. And I think that the key is going to be how the how Jalen Hurts reacts to his first real uh, sense of danger and pressure in the pocket. It, well, and we'll do a lot more of this on Thursday. But if the game plays out like the Dallas Cowboys Niners game does, where every yard is an absolute war. That's going to put a lot of pressure on Jalen Hurts' decision-making. So yeah. uh, we'll have to see about that. The other side, who cares? Just sling it all around. Right. <laughs> so let's hope Mahomes is healthy, and let's hope they just they just chuck it all over the place for the entire uh, the entire thing. All right, uh, we were going to do some SEC stuff. Do we still want to try to get to that, or is there anything else? We're- well, uh, we're, we've done 57 minutes of NFL I talk. I know you have a big heart oh, that's on right. for power rankings and stuff. You love no, just, a good power I don't, rankings. I don't I actually don't like power rankings at all. I the Jags right now are plus thirty five hundred to win the Super Bowl, the eleventh in the NFL. The Titans are tied with the Colts, which I think is so stupid technically, because they're both plus seven thousand. I don't think anybody with how many right... of the teams that are at the plus seven thousand have their uh, have their staff fully in place? It's just those two. It's just the Titans and Colts. Well, they don't have their staff fully in place, and neither one of them. And neither one of them does. Um, okay. Houston's at 31st in the NFL plus 10,000. The, the reason I say all of this is to sort of take a snapshot in time that we know Jacksonville is going to be the, the preseason favorite to win the division and that the Titans are probably clearly number two. I'm curious what you think who could be number three, either Indianapolis or Houston. And then my real question is how much mobility do any of these teams have over the course of the next three or four, like let's say three months, which would include combine, filling out your staff, free agency and draft. Okay, uh, I think right now you'd have to say the Colts are. If you're looking at the the roster and you're looking at the the just what they are look at like right now, Colts are third. Now I think mobility is way up in the air. I think that you're talking about both. Uh, three of these teams have top eleven picks. Right, the Texans have the second overall. The Colts, I believe, are the fifth overall. Titans are eleventh overall. Uh, they all have important coaching positions still open. I think that you could see all of them jump. Guess what? I know this may shock you. I'm still not sold on the Jaguars. And they're, they have so many free agents, one-year people that are important free agents to this team, hitting free agency. They're 19 million over the cap. They're in a worse cap position than Tennessee Titans. They're still a young team. They... They, they, the Chargers just suck so much that the Jaguars got away with a win, even though they should. I mean, they really shouldn't have got out of there with a win. And nobody talks enough about the four interceptions that he threw. Yeah, I know you get it through four touchdowns, but the Chargers just shut the bat. He was bad. Um, he was bad. It was bad in the game. 
this past weekend. They couldn't beat a Patrick Mahomes. They let Chad Henney drive 98 yards down the field to score a touchdown. They were horrendous. They couldn't take advantage of anything. I don't believe in this Jaguars team, and I know I want to say something. I know Blake, Trevor Lawrence is better than Blake Bortles. This is about to be the 2017 or the 2017 season aftermath of the offseason for all of 2018. Jaguars this, Jaguars that, Jaguars, Jaguars, Jaguars. <laughs> woo, woo, woo. And they're going to look stupid because the Tennessee Titans are going to win the fucking division next year. Oh, I like that. I like that bold prediction on uh, that ja- bold prediction? January twenty third. Strictly illogical. Well, I mean, they were only they were one terrible call by the officials away from winning the division this year. So no, uh, it was a terrible call by Josh Dobbs <laughs> not to run the play properly. <laughs> I love how we're arguing the same thing in a different way. I love that. No, I listen. I think my my whole reason of bringing listen, this up is and, that and can I say something real quick? They have Trevor Lawrence. They're going to be totally fine. This was a bonus year for them. Sure, whatever. If you enjoy eight and eight. Seven and eight, seven and nine, or whatever you're, it is. Sure, that's just, that's about what he is because he went through a piss poor baby schedule, a past defenses that made him look good, and it's just I'm over it. Your disrespect, Trevor Lawrence is is you, you want to know where Trevor Lawrence is going to end up in his career? A Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill. He's going to be in in about two or three years. We're going to be talking about him. In that kind of scenario, your your disrespect for Charlotte Bird is offensive to me. Um, she was wonderful in Ozark. I thought Trevor Lawrence played a great. I thought he did a great job in Ozark as Marty Bird's daughter. Anyway, um, I my, the reason I brought it up was that I think, and I obviously I think much higher of Trevor Lawrence than you do. But that's well documented. I the, the the my point is that Jacksonville was like eleventh, and the Titans and Colts were tied at twenty fifth. And, and to me, shift. that gap should be significantly closer. And that the Titans and Colts have no business being at the same level. That that's that yeah. was my my only observation. I, I think there's that. just a lot of a lot of uncertainty around the Tennessee Titans and you know you got a new GM, nobody knows really what to expect or what will happen. You don't have an offensive coordinator in place, you don't have an offensive line coach in place. You don't know. You just, it's just so much uncertainty that I'm not surprised by any of the Vegas odds. And spare me this Calvin Ridley's coming back that really worked out for Deshaun Watson to take a full fucking year off. Slight, well, it was two years, wasn't it? And slightly different, uh, slightly different situation, but uh, we'll see. Well, it's you're out of the league, you're out of the league, sitting out a year. Uh, ask Le'Veon Bell how that helped. I, I, I'm with you, but dealing with you know 27 lawsuits is not the same thing as you know training. Oh, well, listen, <laughs> let me tell you something it's not the lawsuits that were the, the lawsuits were a problem, that's not what hindered his ability to play football. It's that he was rusty and came out of the league, yeah, I and agree. he was terrible. I agree. I think, again, I think it's a lot harder at that position to be rusty versus a wide receiver to be rusty. One year versus two years. Here's turmoil versus non-turmoil. Calvin Ridley won't have more than 800 yards in receiving. All right, there we go. Writing it down. 800 right. yards. Calvin Ridley. Okay, got it. Got it. Okay. Got hey, it. People just want to be so scared of the Jaguars and just it, it, they, they're just so scared. I mean, Joshua Medina, I see him on Twitter all the time just being so scared of the Jaguars and their future. It's utterly ridiculous. Uh, they I barely would, beat the Tennessee Titans with Josh Dobbs. Spare me. I, I am not, uh, again, I will say this as a neutral observer in the entire division. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is by far the best quarterback in the division. The Titans are way closer to the Jags than people think. I am not scared of the Jaguars, but they are the slight favorite to win the division. That that's how I and, would and they and they will be because Vegas is gonna, you know, take all your all's money and bet on it and all this stuff. And really you're you're all gonna lose. Jack 
They're, they totally want you to love- buy in onto the Jaguars, just like from 2017 to 2018. I'm telling you right now, this team will be probably the same record and, and because they're going to face a tougher schedule. Okay. Okay. I, I Listen, I, I appreciate your optimism. For the Tennessee it's Titans, just, it's just logical. It's not really optimism. Now, I mean, I fully guess healthy Ryan Tannehill and a new coordinator could do some damage. So, well, it's just we'll, ankles. We'll I mean, it's those ankles be fine. Ankles, I mean, it's just ankles. They'll, they'll be fine. I mean, it's not like he got fucking tore his ACL or <laughs> right, his right. fucking head is you know ripped off his body. It's just ankles. Uh, wow, that would that'd be that'd be quite an injury. Uh, yes, like a. a, a those are actual de- injuries to bring up and be concerned with. A decapitation. decapitation. When can you get back? Cares. When can you get back from the decapitation? What's the average recovery time from the yeah. decapitation? Uh, all right. So stay tuned on Thursday. We'll have some announcements for our next week's coverage from the Senior Bowl. Got a lot of cool stuff. Zach's got planned for you guys. Make sure you check out the Substack as well. Uh, we were going to get to some some silly SEC drama, but hey, it's listen. too much NFL. It's too much go NFL. To the, go to the right fringe now. element. Listen, go. go subscribe and go. listen to the French Elements also on the 440 Podcast Network. That's where you can go to get to the, the SEC drama because it's probably going to be a lot more detailed and interesting from them too. Do you want to know what, how Ole Miss dominated the transfer portal, how Tennessee did in the portal, how Jaden Rashada turned down a $13 million deal to leave Florida to go somewhere else? We got all that stuff covered for you on the Fringe Element Podcast, so go check it out. Lots of drama. You know, got Ole Miss stealing coaches from Bama. It's going to be all kinds of fun stuff, so go check that out this week. Club and Country Podcast covering Nashville SC. You got the football and other efforts with Zach and Mike Herndon, of course. Check out Mike Herndon's work at paulkaharski.com, also now part of the 440 Sports Network Podcast, so go listen to that. Uh, Kingston Group, Pharmacy, our great and awesome and amazing local sponsors. Support local business people uh, that are lived that, that live here, that work here, and operate here in Nashville to serve you Nashvillians. Uh, we love these folks. Kingston Group, BuildKG.com, and the Pharmacy, of course, uh, right over there in, in McFerrin Avenue in East Nashville. So check out all that great stuff and all the other shows. Otherwise, please share the product. Tell one person about it. We appreciate all that you guys do, all the comments. I, I still love you, Joshua. Don't listen to Zach. You guys are great. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for hanging out. Uh, this is a football show.